Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Friday morning to you and yours. And welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way 10 a.m. to noon, Monday through Friday. We'd love to have you with us each and every day. You can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We always ask you please subscribe to the program. You can also find us streaming on Facebook on the Chatterbox Sports page. If you prefer to join us in podcast form, by all means, just search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. And you're dialed in. It is rare we start with golf, but Tiger Woods is a rare breed. The 15-time major winner returned to the links for the first time since July of last year at the Genesis Open in Los Angeles. And after a somewhat sluggish start, nothing great, nothing bad, Woods went on a vintage finish, birdie, birdie, birdie over the final three holes to finish with a two under par 69. He's just five shots in back of the co-leaders, Max Homa and Keith Mitchell. He will tee it up today at roughly 10.30 Eastern time for round two, trying to make the cut. And Paul Fritchner, as you probably know, being the gambling man along with your running mate over there, Casey McAllister, apparently the odds were heavily in favor of Tiger not making the cut. That was a big deal, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he still has to do this. He's, he's still got to go out there and make the cut today. But, yeah, he uh, the odds were – were pretty good if you wanted to take Tiger to make the cut. It was pretty good value. I did not. I didn't bet this tournament anyway, but. It was very exciting yesterday. Yeah. I mean, what a threesome he played in. Oh, Very yeah. close friends. Longtime best pals with Rory McIlroy, who finished, I believe he finished at three or four under. And then Justin Thomas. One or the other was four. The other was minus three. And then you have Tiger minus two. It was a great group to watch yesterday. College basketball last night, I mean, they got beat as a number one team, so why not get beat as a number three team? Purdue falls at Maryland 68-54. They were outscored in the second half, 43-26. to The Terrapins now 18-8 and on the year. Then you have Iowa. Iowa beat Ohio State last night. Now, that's not saying a lot. 92-75, but Iowa read how to tell you what, the Big Ten... A lot of people have kind of overlooked the Big Ten this year. They have a lot of rock-solid teams. Maybe not the great, great team. Perhaps you throw Purdue in that mix. But they got a lot of good teams. And look out, as we talked about yesterday, for Northwestern and Iowa and Maryland. All should make the tournament. Winners in the top 25 include number two, Houston. Fourth-ranked UCLA. Number eight, Arizona. 13th-ranked Gonzaga and number 17, St. Mary's. Now, this weekend, starting tonight, NKU plays at Purdue-Fort Wayne. Xavier at home on Saturday to DePaul. Paul will talk about that in a little while. Tennessee at Kentucky. Now, there's an interesting game, boys. Did you hear the comments from Coach Cal after the win the other night? Uh... Maybe. What do you, which Where he it? says, nobody wants to play us in March. I think a lot of teams would disagree with that. I think a lot of teams want to play them in March. 
I don't know, man. I don't know. There's a lot of talent and a lot of athletes there. They haven't put the whole thing together. It's true. true. I don't know. and, And look, people can say whatever they want. When you walk out onto the court, I don't care who you are. And they always say, don't look at that, you know, the, 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 the front of the jersey. But there they are with Kentucky right across the front. That's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. It's Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, they're, they got, they still got work to do to make the tournament. They do. So, they do. But, but, again, this is a Tennessee. They already beat Tennessee. In fact, they pretty handily beat Tennessee at Tennessee. So, if they do it again, I mean, they're, they're in. They're all, they will be. Don't you in. think they're in already? I mean, see, unless they just completely collapse. No, I mean they're they're on the outside looking in right now, or they they'd be in Dayton. If they were okay. in right now, they'd be in Dayton. Okay. So maybe. All right, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Sunday, UC plays at UCF. That game will start yeah. at noon. Baseball news: All Star catcher and Hall of Fame broadcaster Tim McCarver died yesterday. He was 81 years old. I had the pleasure and the honor of calling many, many games with Tim, regular season games, and many, many postseason games. I've always said his knowledge of the game was rivaled only by Joe Morgan among the thousands of people I had the chance to meet in the game of baseball. He always showed up smiling, enthusiastic, curious about the people managing and those playing in the game. He also cared about the fans. He never thought that because he was the most recognized analyst in the sport that he was somehow better than anybody else. He was a kid from Memphis, Tennessee, and it was in Memphis, Tennessee where he died. God bless your soul, Tim McCarver. You were a beautiful man who will truly by, who will truly be missed by those who loved you, and I am one of them. What a great dude, Tim McCarver. I remember um, we were doing the playoffs one year. The Yankees were playing the Angels in the division series. And we go to Yankee Stadium, and Tim and I are doing a game together because uh, Joe Buck was still doing football. I would step in there uh, and, and work the number one baseball team for the division series, and then we got to the league championship series, I would go back to my partner, Steve Lyons. Joe would join Tim, and we'd each do an LCS. Anyway, we're at Yankee Stadium. It's pouring down rain, and there's no doubt the game's going to be called off. So Tim and I decide we're going to go down into the Angels Clubhouse and hang out and talk with uh, Mike Sosha, who's the manager of the Angels at the time. This had to be 2001. Angels won the oh two. Angels won the World Series that year. So um, we're down in the in, in the you know the bowels of Yankee Stadium, Visitors Clubhouse, and sitting in the room turns out to be Mike Sosha, Tim McCarver, Joe Madden, and me. Now Joe Madden at the time had been with the Angels for about twenty years working in their organization in various roles, minor league director, player development guy, uh, minor league manager, had worked himself up to being a major league coach, but nobody outside of the Angels organization knew who Joe Madden was. So we're sitting in there and we must have been in there for, I'm guessing an hour, hour and a half maybe. 
and we're talking baseball, just the four guys. I, I'm, I'm obviously doing uh, a lot more listening than having anything to add to that conversation. All those guys have forgotten more about baseball than I'll ever know. And, and I remember the more and more we sat there, it, it seemed like Joe Madden would be the guy talking the most, as though Mike Sosha was trying to, to say, without saying it, that this is a guy who knows a lot about baseball. And I remember Tim and I were walking out of Yankee Stadium and, 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 and we jump in a car uh, with a couple of people we're working with to go back to the hotel. Uh, and then we go out to dinner and we're sitting there at dinner and Tim knew McCarver in uh, McCarver knew New York inside and out uh, because, of course, he worked there for the Mets, starting his broadcasting for career for years and years and years at W.O.R. And, and so he knew all the restaurants and all this kind of thing. We get there and he says, you know what? He said, that guy, Joe Madden, he said, now there's a guy who, if he gets a chance, that guy is going to be a great major league manager one day. And I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, okay, I mean, you know, the guy obviously knows a lot about baseball, but I mean, you know, he'd been around for 20 years. He wasn't some spring chicken like they seem to want to hire now. A bunch of young guys that have really not done a lot in, in developing their skills and whatever role it was. And, and, and obviously, just like everything else, by and large, that he predicted would happen in baseball, it happened. And Joe Madden went on to, to have a phenomenal managerial career. And Tim and I used to talk about that all the time, all the time. That conversation and just that whole night of hanging out in New York City, having a couple of cocktails till midnight, maybe later. And um, I remember the 2001 World Series. Diamondbacks are playing the New York Yankees. It's the bottom of the ninth inning. Mariano Rivera had never blown a save in his postseason career. It's the bottom of the ninth. Diamondbacks putting guys on base. You know, they get a hit batter. Craig Council gets hit. Mark Grace starts the inning. Base hit center field. Womack hooks a double down the right field line. And now all of a sudden, the winning run, Jay Bell is at third. One out in the inning. Yankees bring the infield in, bring the outfield in. And McCarver says before it ever happened, Luis Gonzalez is a batter, left-handed batter, best hitter on the Diamondbacks team. But it's Mariano Rivera. And McCarver, before the pitch, says, this is very dangerous for the Yankees infield to be playing in. It's something they have to do. But this is extremely dangerous because Mariano Rivera's cutter runs in on the hands of a left-handed batter. And if somehow, some way, the left-handed batter can just make contact, they can flare the ball out into left field. It would easily be caught if you're playing at the normal depth, but because they're in, it could fall in for a base hit. Guess what happened? Jam shot off the hands of Luis Gonzalez, broken bat, flare over the head into left field, over Derek Jeter's head, trotting in Jay Bell. I got that picture around here somewhere of Jay Bell. He signed it for me, scoring the uh, winning run of the World Series. But Tim McCarver, you will be missed. What an amazing guy. Just an awesome guy. You know, it was easy to take shots, kind of like Joe Buck a lot now, right? You know, and, and it was easy to take shots at McCarver because you saw him year after year after year. I mean, there were four different networks that he called the World Series for over about a 30-year span. He did it with Jack Buck on CBS. He called it for ABC. 
NBC brought him in. And then, of course, Fox, where he ended up finishing up. So um, to have that kind of career, it's easy for people to take shots. They get sick of you. They get sick and tired of hearing you say this and that. And, you know, somebody once said that uh, if you ask Tim McCarver uh, what time it is, he's going to tell you how to build a watch. And uh, that was certainly true. Tim could talk. But he's going to be missed. And I don't mean to ramble on and on. It's just it was, uh, it, it was tough to uh, – I, I knew he was not doing well. Uh, and I was communicating with his daughter, Kathy, uh, last night and again this morning. They're going to have the services for him down in Memphis, Tennessee on Thursday. And hopefully I can find a way to get down there. Um, Daniel Descalso tweeted out, Tim McCarver mispronounced my last name a couple of times, and I told him my grandmother wasn't happy with him. He asked for her number, called her to apologize, and had a nice conversation with her. She got a kick out of it, and he always asked me about her after that. R.I.P. Tim. How about that? Great story. Great story. And you look on Twitter through the day yesterday, there were just stories and stories rolling in. And, you know, my only, my only experience or, I don't know, anything with, with Tim was listening to him call the World Series. And it's just, yeah, a, a very uh, a prominent name, prominent face that is pretty connected to a lot of big memories, right, for, oh, from baseball over the last – Some of the biggest. How many decades – you know, a lot of people remember the whole Deion Sanders thing, you know, which was, which was not pretty for anybody involved. For those that forget, Tim was being very critical of Deion Sanders during the World Series when Deion played for Atlanta, traveling back and forth to go play in an NFL game and then come back to play for the Braves in the World Series. And uh, Deion didn't like it much. And so when they got to the World Series celebration, when the Braves won it, I believe it was 95. That was the only World Series the Braves won during that stretch where they had Glavin and Maddox and Smoltz and that whole group. Uh, 95, 96, one or the other. Um, in the post-game celebration, Dion was dumping champagne all over Tim McCarver's head. I mean, he's going out of his way to do it while he's sitting there trying to do his job, and it, it got kind of ugly there. But, uh, you know. Life moved on, and McCarver called about 25 more World Series, and, you know, life goes on. All right, boys, a uh, couple of things I uh, want to get into today. we got Tim McGee coming up at 1040. We've not spoken with Tim since the Super Bowl, uh, and his thoughts on, you know, that game, but more importantly, his thoughts on what the Bengals ought to be doing moving forward. We talked to Jay Morrison at length about that yesterday. Um, you know, what should they do in the draft? Uh, did uh, Tim, along with the rest of us, kind of feel like, you know, what those two teams that played in the Super Bowl were doing, is that a blueprint for what the Bengals should consider doing, meaning beef up your offensive line. They did that last year, spent a ton of money, but is the line coming back next year good enough to hold up? That's a, it's a legitimate question. Um, do you sacrifice one of your receivers? Right? You know, the Chiefs let Tyreek Hill go. Now, the Bengals don't have to let T. Higgins go. They could franchise him, sign him to a long-term deal. They're two years away from that, or at least a year and a half away from having to worry about a long-term deal on Chase. But what about Tyler Boyd? And then the news yesterday, fellas, where Aaron Jones, outstanding running back, right, for the Green Bay Packers. Right. Very similar contractual situation to that facing Joe Mixon. 
Jones agrees to a $5 million pay cut to stay with the Green Bay Packers. Now, is that something you guys think is a precursor for Joe Mixon? Um, Before I actually answer that, uh, Aaron Jones, that's not the first time he's taken a pay cut either, I don't think. He took one last year to keep Aaron Rodgers around. So it's very, very telling, at least in that situation, what a player will do in his shoes at that caliber of talent to stay with a Hall of Fame type quarterback. Um, Not saying that Joe Burrow is yet, but when you have the option to, to renegotiate your contract, to stay with a team that's really good, that has aspirations of Super Bowls. Um, some guys will do it, others won't. And I'm very curious and interested to see Joe Mixon do something, um, renegotiate. Um, he, to me, is a team player. He's a team guy. So I can see him doing it but until you see it it's hard to believe it you know that th- these players in the nfl don't like taking pay cuts and um yeah i mean i would really hope that he does just because the value there for for as a fan as a as a bingle um in the organization you'd want to maximize your contracts and right now joe mixon with the amount he's playing and the production is just not there with the $12 million that he's supposed to get this upcoming season. It just doesn't make sense. So in, in my opinion, I hope I, I hope that we can see something with Joe Mixon. Same with Tyler Boyd. I would, I would really hope that, and I think he's already come out and said that he's Tyler Boyd feels like he's secure for at least another year with the organization with the same pay. So that might not be an option. But I, I'd certainly do hope that Joe Mixon considers a, a renegotiation. You know, the running back thing is such an interesting thing. I know that that position has been devalued, if you will, over the last number of years. Guys get a little older. They start, you know, the wear and tear. They slow down, uh, all those kinds of things. But, you know, Paul, we talk about this stuff all the time. And, you know, you try to walk in another man's shoes and, and in this case, Joe Mixon. Now, would there be a team if the Bengals cut him? Let's say the Bengals approached him about doing what Aaron Jones did. Uh, and he says, no way. So, you know, the contract's not guaranteed. The Bengals would certainly take a, a certain number on the salary cap hit. Uh, if they release Mixon, be a lower number than what it would. Obviously, if they kept him or, or re-signed him, that number could drop. Uh, but, you know, you wonder... Uh, even if he took half the money he's making now, would he get that money or more money on the free agent market? And what would be the demand for Joe Mixon? He's had an outstanding career, but teams just don't put a lot of value in that running back position. But it only takes one team, right? Yeah, and as they probably shouldn't. We talk about that so much on this show. Should you go out there and pay a running back as much money as Maybe some people deserve that they should be paid, or should you just go out and get the next best, next best option, 
plug and play with whoever it is for the next few years and then start the cycle all over again and get somebody serviceable enough. And that seems to be the way that it's trending right now. Why spend, why overspend on Joe Mixon when you can spend on another wide receiver or another offensive lineman or whoever else that might be literally a more valuable piece to your team than letting P. Ryan or whoever it might be go out there and just do their job for another year. And I would say, too, trading is an option, but you're not going to get what the 49ers had to give up to get Christian McCaffrey, which was like a second round. No. You're going to get like a fourth or a fifth round for Joe Mixon. The age, the production, the injury history, all all those things kind of factored in. Um, I wouldn't mind them trading away just because it gets us off the books for Joe Mixon, but Bengals don't trade often and they don't trade guys like Joe Mixon away for nothing so it would be really hard for that to even come to fruition unless there was a team desperate enough to give us something more than what they thought Joe Mixon was worth which probably a second or a first round well the old adage goes about you know when you're going to let somebody go who are you going to replace them with and the question I would have for you Casey and Paul is this you know Mixon couple of times has been better than a thousand yard back the featured primary back in this offense he can catch the ball out of the backfield now his pass blocking has certainly slipped and that's a big reason why he got roughly half the number of snaps in the AFC championship game uh, that P Ryan got we saw P Ryan this year when he was a featured back when Mixon was hurt in a couple of games this year ran the ball very 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 well But are you confident, would you feel good going into next season, knowing your aspirations are and rightfully should be getting and winning the Super Bowl, right? Getting to the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl. In fact, ESPN came out with a huge article today where they asked a number of their analysts, predict the Super Bowl next year. Three quarters of those analysts are picking the Bengals to be in and or win the Super Bowl next year. I mean, all the pieces are there, right? They got a few things to clean up, decisions to make, big ones, no doubt. But would you feel confident going into the year next year with a young runner as a, you know, maybe a pass catcher out of the backfield, all those kinds of things, but P. Ryan as your primary lead back? Can you win a championship I mean, they didn't win a championship with Mixon as their lead back. Right. But can they win a championship? Do you feel good about their chances of getting to a Super Bowl if Pirine is the main guy? You want to know? This is going to be really controversial, what I'm about to say. But it's the same argument that we're having about Jonah Williams and Jackson Carmen. Is the drop-off really that significant? And I would argue it's not really all that significant when you look at Joe Mixon to Pirine. And I love Joe Mixon to death. I think the ceiling there was really, really high for Joe Mixon. But it just seems like the style of play for Joe Mixon as of late is a one come one cut back up in the hole and getting as much yards as you can. And he usually would fall down to the first contact. He was one of the worst running backs all season after contact, first contact. So, to me, you'd rather get a guy like Samaje who 
tends to run through contact a lot better yep. than Joe Mixon. And for me, I'd rather go take my chances on getting a guy in the fourth round like Ty J. Spears from Tulane, who's just a, a freak yeah. out, out of the backfield. He can catch the ball, very fast, very elusive type guy. And I think it gives you a different change of pace that we really haven't had. Like Joe Mixon and Samaje are more closer to each other than we realize. And we've deployed that type of back system now for feels like years. We haven't really had a Giovanni Bernard type player in what feels like, I don't know, five years because uh, longer than that by the time Bernard was really a right. productive player and getting a lot of playing time because I don't know I, that's one of the, the the great mysteries to me is why this franchise did not utilize Giovanni Bernard more because when they used him more the better he was and then right. his production started going down 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 they get mixing down 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 next thing you know he's out the door right so I that's where I would go I think that's the smart thing that's the organization thought process in my mind that's the the ownership in my mind going all right this is the best way to create a to create a team that better suits what we do which is throwing the ball which is pass blocking with p ryan and you're gonna get p ryan for like four or five million it's not like you're gonna be breaking breaking the bank for that and you might even get him for cheaper. I don't know. I, he might take a, a smaller deal to stay with Cincinnati. And I think the Bengals, that might actually be a priority in free agency because of how valuable he is yep. in the scheme, blocking. Um, it, to me, it makes sense. To me, it makes sense for the Bengals to, do, to go that direction. Now, Reed Mouse points out eight of the last ten Super Bowl winners have had running backs on their rookie contract. So, you know, look, as the game has evolved and it's a much more pass-first sport, that's not even debatable. I mean, you look at who's out there, and, 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 and the Eagles were a little bit the exception to that rule this year. They ran the ball a lot more than they threw it. They had to throw it a lot in the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, P. Ryan is not under a rookie deal. He's been in the league for a while, but he's had a lot less wear and tear on his body because of his lack of playing time, right? Going back to Washington and even with the Bengals, then Mixon his hat. What is this we're putting up here, Paul, from Ben? It is a $10 super chat from Ben Riley, and he asks, why don't teams preset proportional allocation of money based on a percentage of cap and projected end of, end, I'm assuming, end of year stat, stats? That way, if the team makes more money or less, the percentage won't change and we don't need to worry each year. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that goes into the, I don't think the players would even sign a deal like that. They won't, they won't want to do, they won't want to sign a deal that's not guaranteed, let alone the way it's structured now where it's, you know, only a portion of the contract is guaranteed. If you were to say, get hurt, at the beginning of the season and you're supposed to be making 20 million a year as your number one receiver. Now you're making zero because it's a percentage based on how you did the season before. So to me, it's I don't see that happening, but I do see the other part where he says 
money based on percentage of cap. Because well, Mike Florio has talked about this before. In fact, Sir Boy Wonder pointed this out, and I, I, I saw this a few uh, days ago, where they were talking about the Joe Burrow extension. And Florio made the point, said, don't be shocked if Burrow is guaranteed a percentage of the salary cap. Yeah, it'd be, it would be the uh, new age because I don't think that's ever happened before in the NFL. It's been done in other leagues. Um, but for the Bengals to go ahead and do something like that, there's other like legal stipulations that would have to come in and the NFL would have a just a, a field day with that because the contract would be ever-changing every single season because um, the salary cap goes up and down every after well every it goes up yeah. i mean it's gone way up the last three years it has had an incredible leap there was a the only time it's not gone way up it went up a little bit in the covid year when they knew they couldn't sell tickets to the games they yeah. kept playing but you couldn't come to the game right right so then all of a sudden it made an enormous leap into 21 an even bigger leap 22 and now a huge leap again going into 2023. I tell you what, I, I would give serious consideration to that deal all day, every day, if I were Joe Burrow. If indeed that's something that, that the franchise is willing to discuss, where you're guaranteed, and it's basically a guarantee, that let's say they, they, they say, uh, okay, he's getting 15 to 18% of whatever the salary cap is on any given year. Right. That is guaranteed that's going up. Yeah. I mean, guaranteed. With the revenue in the National Football League, I mean, you've got TV networks beating each, uh, each other over the head. And the long-term extensions they just signed, and then all of a sudden now you're starting to get into the whole streaming thing and where that's going to go. You know somebody else besides Amazon Prime is going to get in on that deal. Right. right? They'll yeah, right. create some Saturday night thing just like they did Thursday night. There'll be something that comes along with Apple or whoever it is where um, there's going to be a Saturday night game or a late Saturday, uh, yeah, Saturday night probably. I mean, you know, they, they got to think about the college football thing a little bit there. But it, however they, they figure it out, there's going to be more money coming in, thus the salary cap goes up. Yeah, and so uh, to be clear though, that does not benefit the Bengals. That benefits the players in that situation when you guarantee percentage of the cap because it's always going to go up. That number can fluctuate, and it usually benefits the player in that situation. Because think about it like this. They would probably give Joe Burrow 20% because that's around – we're at like $255 million in cap space. That puts him at like $50 million, a little over $50 million. And then let's say next year it goes up to 260. Well, he gets a little extra more now, and now you're looking at him being the top quarterback right now in the NFL with that amount of money. Sure. So it's a great question. I, I do I do like that question a lot. I think it's a, a great one. Um, but I don't know. It would not be smart organizationally as the Bengals to do that if they give him top dollar. Now, if they do something like $15 million, or no, I'm sorry, not $15 million, 15%, then yeah, it continues to grow, but you're you started off so low down the totem pole, fifteen percent of two fifty. I can't think of that off the top of my head. I'm not a math major, right? But uh, no math in public on this no show. No math in public. We've all agreed on that. But I believe it's 
at least 40 or a little less than 40. Yeah, but you get into so, the whole guaranteed stuff, you know, and, and, and how, or, or upfront signing bonus money on it, right? Right. I mean, that could be a huge number, and there are rules against that. Otherwise, teams would give some guy, you know, whatever it is, a gazillion dollars up front, and then his salary cap is only, you know, 10, 15, 18 a year, which everybody would love to have your quarterback. But look, that's the one thing you have to give it up to the Bills general manager this year when he talked about, you know, the Bengals uh, comparing them to Buffalo, is that, you know, they had Jamar Chase, and they had Joe Burrow, and they had T. Higgins, all these guys on basically a rookie contract. And then how the Piper, you got to pay the Piper sooner or later. And that's what happened last year with Buffalo, where it was a year that Josh Allen had the huge jump, which Burrow will have, depending on how they structure the contract. You heard Jay Morrison yesterday, you know, next year it might be for 10 million. The next year it might be for 12 million. And then all of a sudden it jumps to 50 million in a year on your salary cap hit, his salary. So, you know, the Bills had that last year with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, where all of a sudden those guys went from that, you know, that first tiered thing to pow, through the ceiling, and now trying to construct the rest of your team, which the Bengals are now staring down the barrel of all those decisions this offseason. All right, uh, when we come back, we're going to have uh, Tim McGee coming up. Want to get into a couple of other topics here today as well. Eric Bieniemy, it appears, is leaving Kansas City to become the offensive coordinator under Ron Rivera for the Washington Football Wizards. Thoughts on that move? And they're talking about Matt Nagy coming in, the former Bears head coach, to replace the enemy in Kansas City. I mean, does that do anything to Kansas City's offense? I will talk about it. Not sure Andy Reid's still there. But the enemy going to Washington, very interesting. He's been rumored to get a head coaching job for years and years, and it hasn't happened. All right, we got that and so much more coming up on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Mr. President, please introduce the Ham and Eggers. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great, trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Well, um, let's get rolling with this. Uh, we talked a lot about the Bengals. You know what? Casey, you're right. We have. And I'm sure we'll talk about the Bearcats a little more. The Bearcats have a big game on Sunday. For right now, we've talked about the Bengals, and that's because of Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech, the path to innovation begins here there is also a new premium alkaline water i am not smart enough to know what that means but i'm gonna trust it because it's good stuff there is a new premium alkaline water out pawnee and i have to tell you it tastes really good it tastes very good there is a difference in water as i always say you know what water is good and what water is bad pawnee is on the good scale of water it tastes great Made in Hamilton, Ohio, Pawnee uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also, quote, the, the best tasting water in the world. Sorry, I thought you were throwing me a, a bone there. Wait, 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 hold on. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also, quote, the best tasting water in the world. There it is. Visit their website at pawneewater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com. P 
P-A-H-H-N-I-Water.com to see where you can buy this great-tasting water. Get your coffee from UDF, bet with Betfred, drink Pawnee Water, get your technology from Encore.tech. Uh, we do have another Super Chat. Look at us. $10 Super Chat from Ben Riley. Hey, I could write a script for it in Python an afternoon for the whole staff. See the payout to do a, a variable and just round to the nearest dollar for each member. If you could try to get me on Python, <laughs> you would see gears turning in my head that you'd never, you'd never even know would exist. Uh, I, w I did a little uh, HTML. Did you? Yeah, I did a little HTML. Um, it's a lot different than Python, but... Uh, $37.5 million. I mean, like, that would be the best case scenario for the Bengals if Joe Burrow was open for that, you know, if they decided to go that 15% of the cap space route. Yeah. Um, I mean, that would be unreal. I mean, you would know for sure that he's doing that, so then we can keep T and Jamar Chase. Speaking of betting with Bedfred, blocks of the day went 0-2. Wait, no, I think... Mine lost. I had Purdue, but the graphic went two and zero. I think and the graphic almost went five and zero on not too picky. Yeah, graphic almost went five and zero. We got a little unlucky with Mick Cronin out there in uh, in the late night game. Almost went five and zero. I don't remember. Your, Paul George had four threes, so he yeah. went over. He went over. I don't remember what you picked. Are on these your alleged locks of the day yesterday? Yeah, not too picky. We did great, but the locks on here did not. Well, I don't know what Casey did. Did Casey uh, win? Yeah. Okay, all right, so then we split. Because right. I used the same one for the not-too-picky graphic for this show. Okay, yeah. All I right. remember you picked, again, what was it, Casey, about a three-pointers three, a three -pointers made by who? Paul, Paul George. Paul George. Yeah, he yeah. had four threes, and Casey God, picked He's still three. playing Paul George. Paul George, great name. Great name. Great name. No doubt. George is a great last name. Now, I wish I would have put some money down on it, actually. Uh, I didn't actually put any money down on it. Um, oh, I should have. Though. I wish I. Yeah. And then you went with uh, the went with, under for the UCLA Bruins, correct? Was that what I picked? I thought that's what you. Picked. I think I did switch to that. That didn't hit either. But I did because I at first I was thinking about Purdue. I was glad I got off the Purdue train, because um, yeah, I had given that the night before on my show, and then I quickly got off that train. Uh, yeah, UCLA. It was supposed to go. I want to say supposed to go under. It was looking great in the first half. UCLA came out and scored. 17, 16, 17 points in the three, first three or four minutes, second half. Watched pretty much the whole game. It was uh, die, the under died a slow death, Tom. Went over by seven. I think it was. You are in a serious rut right now, Paul, right? Oh, I am. I, I mean, am, like one of the all time ruts you've ever been in. Started, I was, you, were, you started gambling, what, around 11, 12 years old? <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I legitimately, even when I, it's so bad right now that even when I win, I lose. Like, I never parlay stuff. Never, ever. Like, I, I'm, I'm pretty strict. Like, just bet straight bets, try to get the units up, build a slow bankroll kind of thing. And I just, for fun, have tried a couple parlays. And the only winners that I have been on in the last two weeks have been in those parlays that have also had legs that lost. So, yeah, I don't think I've, I don't think I've actually cashed a bet. Now, I really haven't bet that much in two weeks because it's been so bad trying to get trying to get some momentum back but yeah it's been this is the all the coldest I've ever been in my life one of the uh, great um, lines in the chat 
in recent memory comes from George Santos. What do he say? He says, boy, George is greater than Paul George. <laughs> Ever tell you about when I met boy George? No. Yeah, I'm with Harry Carey. Uh, not to name drop, just happened to be. Harry and I were having lunch one day over at the Plaza Hotel in New York City. That was the only hotel that Harry did not stay with the team. The only city where he did not stay with the team. The Plaza is this legendary place right on Central Park. I mean, highfalutin, big league joint, right? Yeah. All the stars stay in the Plaza. And Harry was one of the, the stars. The rest of us schmoes, including all the players, stayed at a Hyatt uh, right in uh, Grand Central Terminal. But uh, Harry stayed over it. Uh, the oh. other place, the Plaza. And so I go over to meet him for lunch one day. And um, sitting at the table next to us is none other than Boy George. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I grew up in that, that, that generation. He had a lot of big hits. You know, a lot of great songs you could dance to and all that kind of thing. So I had to uh, make it a point to walk over and say hello to him. And he was very, very friendly, very, very nice. And um, that was it. Not much to that story, but it's Boy George. Sure. Yeah. I guess he's making a comeback. Really? Yeah, I read that recently. He's making, he's getting going on tour or something like that. Anyway, okay. uh, we got Tim McGee coming up any minute now. Let me know when you uh, have him hooked up, Case. And, uh, and we will chat. I want to make sure that he's still good yeah, to we, go. We got him. Okay, got him. Okay. You say when. Yep, we're ready. All right. Let's bring in the former Bengal great, number 85. Number 85 on the scoreboard, number one in your hearts. Our good buddy, Tim McGee. Tim, I hope you're all right, man. We were worried about you the other day. You okay? Your family okay? No, I'm I mean, everything's okay. Some uh, moron tried to uh, break into my residence and uh, broke a window and that kind of stuff. But uh, all, all's good. You know, we have this vicious watchdog that's about 12 pounds and he ran him away. So it goes to show you what, what type of burglar that was. That's scary stuff, though, man. I mean, come on, right? I don't care who you are, former football player, you know, whole nine yards. I mean, that, that uh, being very serious here, that, that, that's scary, scary stuff. You know, it, it, it really is, but uh, I guess maybe unfortunately because I grew up in a, you know, kind of rough neighborhood that, you know, that was more par for the course than an and anomaly where, you know, now, I'm, you know, when you're in suburban America, you know, obviously it's it's not something you come to expect. But, you know, if, if, if I'm a thief using logical thinking and common sense, let me see. I think that would be the ideal place to start if I'm going to uh, start a career as a, as a thief. I'd probably go out in the, su in the suburbs yeah. because we have a false sense of security out in the suburbs that we leave our possessions, our doors unlocked, and we uh, we leave laptops in cars. And so we uh, we kind of invite them in. And, and when it happens, we're like, oh, my God, can you believe it? Look what happened. It's like, nah, you know, you, you, you invited them, so it happened up. Uh, yeah, but all in all, everyone's good. And if, if you know, if, if a broken window is my most major problem in life, I'm doing damn good. Amen to that. Amen to that. Hey, hey we have not um, spoken uh, on the show here since the Super Bowl. Um, and I'm kind of curious, Tim, because you watch a lot of football. I mean, you go way back with this franchise, right? I mean, big-time draft pick coming out of Tennessee, 
Uh, you become the primary target in, in one of the most prolific offenses in NFL history. You play in a Super Bowl, and now you've lived in the area and you follow the team and do radio work. Point I'm making is you, you really have a, a broad spectrum of, 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 of just watching this team and having opinions about this team and this franchise. Did watching the Super Bowl and the way the Chiefs and the, the Eagles are constructed, and let's just start with the offensive line for each team and how dominant both were all season and in that game. Um, I mean, you didn't even know Chris Jones, for example, was on the field. His team won the game, right, after wrecking yeah. the Bengals up one side and down the other. Did the way those teams are constructed make you wonder if there's going to be a lot of copying of those two teams going on? Well, you know what, Tom? Let's let's go back in history. and We've always said, you know, the championships are won with defenses and in the trenches. And modern-day football is won with offensive linemen. Uh, you got to have uh, a very solidified offensive line that can pass block and run block. Linemen traditionally love, they enjoy blocking downhill, which is basically uh, the, uh, the running game. But the way these two teams in particular, and we knew it would come down to four teams, you know, these two teams, the Bengals and, you know, possibly Buffalo and maybe another team or two. But all the teams had something in common. And the, the one aspect where we have always been concerned, always been concerned with the Bengals, is the O-line. We've talked about that. We've talked about it. Uh, you know, it's been well documented the last three years. And especially in this new Joe Burrow uh, era that it's like, you're, you're going to get this poor kid killed. And that's pretty much what was happening early on in his career, uh, first, second year. And it's, it continues to happen. So, yeah, it is still something that the Bengals have to address. Now, when you look at that, it's a tough choice because the Bengals could have upgraded their line two years ago, but they chose Jamar Chase. So I think that was one great choice that they've made, and it's turned out to be that way. But now, yeah, they, they got to focus on the offensive line. And Tom, I tell you, man, it's going to be tough. And here's why it's going to be tough. You already got not cap concerns, but you got cap concerns coming. It's right at your toes. It's at the club toes. You got to sign Joe Burrow. You got to sign T. Higgins. You got to sign Jamar Chase. Then you got Jermaine Pratt. You, 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 you got a lot of players, key players at key positions. So where are you going to find the cap dollars to, you know, upgrade your O-line? So you're pretty much going to have to stick with what you have and just hope they continue to get better together. And, you know, Collins coming off of a major, you know, ACL, He's not going to be 100%, although he'll be in uniform looking like he's 100%, but that kid probably be 70% at best. So, yeah, it's it's something that uh, when we talk about the Bengals in the future, we, that conversation will be a heavily talked about because it's something that they definitely need to upgrade. All right, I, I want to ask you this, though, um, because, you know, it seems to me, and you, you correct me if I'm wrong, you know, you've forgotten more football than I'll ever know, but... Going back to what you just referenced, where the Bengals made the decision to take Jamar Chase instead of Panay Sewell, the offensive lineman. Okay, we all agree, great decision. Now, all of a sudden, because of the cap situation, because of you know some of these big-time contracts that are coming with the guys that you just mentioned, if, specifically, if you're looking at this offensive line, 
I think everybody agrees what you just said. There is no way, because of when the injury occurred so late in the year, right around Christmas, there is no way a 320-pound man is going to be ready coming off an ACL when the team starts training camp in July and August. There's no chance of that, of him being 100%. So you have to start somebody else more than likely at right tackle next year. You know the three guys in the middle are pretty much set. You spent money on Kappa and Karras. They'll be healthy. Volson had a solid rookie year. Maybe not a great rookie year, but a good rookie year. Okay, you, you just assume for a second those guys are there. And you've got Jonah Williams coming back one more year. If you had to make a decision today, okay, I, I maybe I consider trading Tyler Boyd and freeing up some money to go out and get a tackle that we otherwise can't afford if we keep Boyd. Or we approach Mixon and ask him about cutting down his salary like Aaron Jones did yesterday uh, with the Green Bay Packers so we can free up some money for a tackle. Or would you be okay with the group they've got now, Williams at left tackle, or I assume Jonah, maybe you move him to right tackle, and maybe Carmen goes to left tackle. What would you do with that line? You know, that's that's tough because you're sitting with T. Higgins. And when you talk about the offensive line and upgrading the offensive line, there's one area of concern the Bengals have, and that's the tackle position. So now we're talking about arguably and probably, I would say, the second highest paid position on the football field. So now you've created yourself, if it was, say, thinner, that makes it more doable. Tackle, oh my Lord, you know, tackles are going to command. I, I can't think of the tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, uh, Orlando Kansas, Brown. Yeah, Orlando Brown or uh, the, uh, the tackle for the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, but Trent Williams. Yep, yep. Yeah, who's considered the best in the business. When you're talking about that, I mean, they're going to get, you know, not Joe Burrow type of money, but they're going to be knocking right at the heels of the Joe Burrow's contract. So you're talking about in excess of $100 million for tackles. So, you know, how do you – it gets more and more complicated when you look at it. It's like, okay, I, I have some draft pieces. I can I can trade, you know, a T. Higgins for someone. Okay, but now I go from great having a great receiver core to a great receiver. So now I got time for Joe Burrow to throw, but I, if they double Jamar Chase, that creates another problem. Okay, so then you look at Joe Mixon and you look at some other players and restructuring their contract in, in, in hopes to go out and get a quality tackle. I think you can get a quality tackle, but you're not going to get a top talent. You're going to get what you already have. You're going to get a Collins, and that's how you got them last year. Always keep this in mind, Tom. The reason why guys are in free agency is because their teams didn't value them the way they felt they will be or they could get the dollars they can command on an open market. That's how a guy becomes a free agent. Other than that, a club will tag that guy or a club will sign that guy to a long-term deal. So I think when you look at it, this may be the worst-case scenario for the Bengals in trying to upgrade their offensive line, of which they've addressed what seems to be every single year besides the year of Jamar Chase. But last year, they, I think they tried. I think they did upgrade it. Uh, the O-line played great at times. They played poor at times. But more so, they played great at times. 
And unfortunately, through injuries, which every team faced, that pretty much knocked them out of the playoffs. Did you see enough of Jackson Carmen? I know it was only a couple of starts, and we know his story. You know, he high draft pick, Clemson left tackle, all that. Showed up overweight, out of shape, got a chance to play, lost his job, came in this year, back up. But he's a natural tackle. Um, he did not seem to me to be the guy that was getting worn out by Chris Jones and, and some of the other people in that game against Kansas City. Maybe you saw it different. Did you see enough of him that you would consider playing him at left tackle next year? Yeah, I, I would consider it. But at the same time, I, I think we look at this. We, we got this Rolls Royce Bentley at, at the quarterback position. And what are we going to protect him with? And if I'm Zach Taylor, if, if I'm Katie Blackburn, if Troy Blackburn, Mike Brown, et cetera, I'm looking at this Duke Tobin. I'm going, okay, wait a minute. Are we going to entrust our franchise? We're talking about our franchise. We're not talking about a quarterback. This quarterback just happened to be the franchise. This is who comes people come to see at Paycor Stadium. This is the guy that brings the recognition and the marketing to Cincinnati. Am I going to risk his skill level, his time as quarterback at the just absolute height of his career, am I going to risk it with Carmen? I just don't, man, I just don't think that's something you can really do because here it's, it's, it's high risk, high rewards, but at the same time, you going in, if you're playing the percentages, Tom, you got to look at this thing and say, if he fails, everyone's going to say, why in the hell did the team do that? That was so stupid. How could you do that? He's already shown you who he is. And if Joe Burrow ends up on his back seven times in a game early on in the 2023 season, at the beginning, that is, oh, my God, so people will, you know, they'll want Zach Taylor's head and deservedly so. So I just don't know if that's worth the risk. Uh, but, again, it's not like it's going to be a lot of quality players out there to grab at the tackle position. They're just going to command so much money, 30, 40 million per year. It's going to be tough, if not impossible, to uh, to really upgrade that, that position. So do you think then, Tim, if I hear you what you're saying here, and I, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you, know, you, you were talking about you, something's got to give sooner or later. It may not necessarily have to be this year, but I mean, look, you know, everybody gets a year older. That's the way the world and life works, right? And this window of having a lot of great players around uh, is only so long. It's not to say you can't replace them with other great players in the draft and things like that. Bengals have done a great job in that regard. And they've done a really great job on the sort of lesser free agent players, whether it was a guy like Pirine or whether it's a guy like Eli Apple or guys like that. They didn't pay Von Bell a ton of money. And he's been a hell of a player here. But if something's got to give on offense, something's got to give. If I hear you right, would you consider bundling up in a trade a T. Higgins, not a T. Higgins, the T. Higgins, would you consider bundling up a guy like him, maybe you trade him to somebody who has a top three, four pick in the draft, and go out and get the best offensive lineman there is? No, I wouldn't consider it. Here's why. Exact Taylor offense depends on the skill position. And they have had a lot of success. 
uh, we're talking about pushing a reset button if you were to get rid of T. Hicks. Because, again, when you break the film down and you watch when the teams, when when the Bengals don't have those that two-headed monster in the game, teams can focus on one. And when they focus on one and they make a conscious effort to take away a Jamar Chase when Higgins is not playing and a, um, and a, and a T. Higgins when, when Chase is not playing, the Bengals don't have what it takes in the run game to compensate for that. So I would not risk the T. Higgins. And when we talk about the window of opportunity, I would roll the dice with what I have right now if I'm in their position. Because remember, they are only – one quarter away from making it to the Super Bowl. And consequently, if you look at the Super Bowl, I think they would have created more of a problem for the Philadelphia Eagles because they're more well-rounded on offense. I think the, uh, you know, the masterful Patrick Mahomes made the difference in the uh, football game. But with the Bengals case, I think they had a better chance of winning the Super Bowl than they did in winning the AFC Championship game, with, of course, playing against the Philadelphia Eagles. With that being said, I would continue down the path, try to upgrade here and there, make the necessary adjustments that I would have to make in the in the passing game by throwing short pass, intermediate passes, uh, crossing my fingers, hope they have you know more good games, talking about the offensive line, than bad games. And with a total understanding that, Listen, the window is wide open now, but it's about to start closing. And when I say that, it's, it's going to happen this offseason. Joe Burrow has to have that extension. And when he has the extension, you may see the likes of the Joe Mixon either take a pay cut or be a cap casualty. And you're going to see other players as well. And remember, when we talk about we haven't even talked about the defensive side of the ball. Well, Luzier yep. coming off on the ACL. So – you know, you, you, Logan Wilson's contract is coming up. So, man, I hate to be the capologist for the uh, Bengals because that person is going to have the work cut out for him to try to fit all these pieces in. And for those who don't really understand how the NFL works, it's like the, it's like Monopoly. They give 32 owners the same amount. And you can't spend no more than the other owner, no matter how many green dollars you may have. You may have be Jerry Jones and have 50, 40 billions of green job dollars, but – Every team has gets the same allotment of cap dollars to spend. And now what you're seeing, success breed other teams plucking your talent because they want to get better. And that's the exact way the Bengals got better through the draft, through free agency. And now other teams are now going to come after their talent. So that's why the window of opportunity is going to start closing here in the next year, definitely in two. All right, uh, you brought me to something I I wanted to ask you about because when you get to these kinds of games and and all of a sudden what Patrick Mahomes has accomplished, five straight AFC Championship games, been to the Super Bowl three times in the last four years. He's won two Super Bowls. Now all of a sudden he starts leaping up into that conversation. He's joined by eight or nine other guys, guys like Roger Staubach, among others, uh, John Elway that have won two Super Bowls. Uh, Troy Aikman won three. You have Joe Montana and Terry Bradshaw, who won four. Brady wins seven. Okay. Um, You played against Joe Montana in that Super Bowl. Going back to to 1988, you played against him in the regular season. Um, When people start talking about greatest of all time, is it too early to start at least putting Patrick Mahomes in that conversation? 
Yeah, no doubt about it. And um, let, first, let me say this. What he did this year was probably more special than his first year because they traded away his number one target in Tyreek Hill. And uh, for him to have the success that he did with a average cast of receivers outside of the outstanding tight end position, uh, that was just remarkable. But uh, to the credit to Andy Reid and, and Eric Bieniemy, you know, their mind, their creativeness on offense just kept him and continues to help him grow and mature as a uh, quarterback. But as far as his name being in the uh, in the coming future as one of the most elite, best quarterbacks, greatest of all time conversation, yes, he's trending in that direction. Uh, we understand his talent, who, but let's hold on, pump the brakes. What if he never goes back to the playoffs? Remember, let me remind everyone, the Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a, an exceptional talent, one of the greatest quarterbacks to play the game. He has one Super Bowl, and he hasn't been in forever, and he is still the man. He is still great. He is still top five, top three, in my opinion. However, if you don't have the tools and the pieces around you, well, we have witnessed what could happen. So I think we need to pump the brakes on the conversation, let things materialize, and let's judge every career by looking back at the career, not looking forward at the career, because it's going to be really difficult for us to really be able to say, oh, he's going to have great talent, bad talent, talent, average talent. What if Eric Manamy leaves? What if you know Andy Reid retires? When Andy Reid retires, he'll continue to be playing and you know what if he has losing season his last three four five years then the conversation would be totally different and and that's what we do we debate and we like the negative over the positive so all we're doing is taking him up to that pedestal so we can flick him right off as soon as he has losing streaks or something of that nature i don't know if you know eric the uh at all uh you obviously did not play with him he came after you i did i actually okay. played with him Okay, you did. Okay, well, then you, then you know him a little bit. So here's what I'm getting at. And, and look, much has been made of, rightfully so. Um, you know, the lack of color when it comes to head coaches in the National Football League, general managers, et cetera. Um, I look around at offensive and defensive coordinators over the last number of years in the National Football League, and I say to myself, of all of those guys that are getting jobs out there, Eric Bieniemy is the one that has me scratching my head. Do you scratch your head? Because it looks like he's leaving Kansas City today to go to the Washington Commanders uh, under Ron Rivera. Well, what are your thoughts on Bieniemy? Well, I mean, what do you think is going on there? Well, I have scratched my head till it's <laughs> till it's bleeding, trying to figure out what is the reasons that Eric Bieniemy has not obtained a job. And I'm not talking one job. I'm not talking to one job as the head coach. I'm talking about multiple jobs. If he didn't succeed in this place, why haven't he gotten the second? So when you look at the Sean Paytons and you look, look at, you know, the Frank Wrights of the world that, I mean, there's so many of them out there that have average or below average and they get job after job, Josh McDaniel, job after job after job. It makes you, it doesn't make you wonder because you know why. And here, here, here's when, when, here's my take on it. You have 31 billionaires and you are trying to mandate and tell them what to do. I'm nowhere near a billionaire, but I'm pretty sure if I was one, 
I would have a similar attitude in that I have reached the pinnacle of success financially. And now you are going to tell me who to hire. I think human nature, people just go the opposite direction and saying, no, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do for the principle of it. I think there's no better example of that in pretty much throwing the middle finger up was uh, Jim Irsay with the Indianapolis coach to say, I hire who I want to hire. And I know I am pissing you off. I'm pissing the system off, but I don't care. I don't care what you think is my team. I can do what I want to do. Mind your own business. I'm hiring Jeff Saturday, who has absolutely no coaching experience whatsoever. So we understand, and Tom, let's go back in history and go inside the, the boardroom of the NFL. It used to be if you were on the path to be a head coach, they said you had to learn the game from inside out. You had to learn the game from offensive, the line, then the skill position, and then you had to see the game as a whole. Then you get promoted as a grad assistant or quality control guy, then grad assistant, then assistant, then OC or DC. And then you got the interview and after a while, if you knew the right people like in life on every every job, if, if you had that connection, that Bill Belichick connection, Bill Parcell connection, that person could get you over the hump because the owners will call or their you know law firm that they hired, they'll call and say, hey, what do you think of this guy? Done deal. That's how it happens. Unfortunately for men of color and women also, the, uh, the opportunity changed the opportunity don't exist because the process always changes. Now, which, you know, a couple of years ago with Zach Taylor and other guys, it was, oh, you had a cup of coffee with uh, uh, Sean McVay, so we're going to hire you. And he's done a good job, don't get me wrong. Uh, uh, but you have to ask yourself, well, why doesn't a coach that's been in the league 20 years, 25 years, doesn't get the opportunity? It is what it is. Now they're going with the young guys. It used to be where if you came from college, there was no way in hell, there was an exception here and there, but there was no way in hell you're going to get a job in the NFL. Now owners just fall for pretty much anything. And that's, that's the problem that I personally see. Owners are so smart in so many ways, and, and, and obviously it shows with their, their financial problems, but they can make some of the poorest decisions when it comes to the National Football League. And I don't care if it's black, white, brown, green, or orange. They just don't do, they just don't make very good decisions with it. And I, I, it's just sad. It's just absolutely sad that when we get back and we talk about the Eric, the enemies of the world, not having a job, every person that's breathing air that knows a, a little bit about football, no, that's a travesty in itself. And, but can't nobody doing that. Roger Goodell can't do anything and neither can me, you or anyone else. It has to be the owners or the players and the players they're the only entity in charge that can do something about it and you're talking about you know 21 to 32 year olds and you know right now their focus is, is going to be on itself but the mirror is going to stay in their face and that's the only person that they're worried about is you know, just to finish up and tie a ribbon around this be enemy thing for a second here um do you think him leaving kansas city um puts him, you know, gets him out of the shadow, if you will, of Andy Reid? Because let's face it, I, 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 I'm not excusing in any form or fashion the fact that Biennemi's not gotten a head coaching job because I think it's, it's criminal that he's not gotten one. 
because this guy's paid his dues. He was a hell of a player. He's a good man. He's a leader. He's all those things you want in a head football coach in the National Football League. But some guys, you know, you kind of get sort of like, you know, overlooked, I think the enemy does oftentimes because of Andy Reid. So does this make sense to get him out of that shadow a little bit? Ron Rivera, I mean, you talk about one of the best guys you're ever going to meet in your entire lifetime. There's no better guy on the planet than Ron Rivera. Now, all of a sudden, that offense belongs to Eric B. Enemy and Eric B. Enemy only. Okay, here, here's the problem. Let me start by saying Josh McDaniels. Bill no Belichick. question. No question okay. about it. You look at Jason Garrett. How does, does these guys let – me, let me tell you how screwed up the system is. Josh McDaniels turned down – took a job and didn't take the job at the same yep. time. Yep. That, if that happened to an African-American, Tom, it's over. It's over. You're not never – you will never get a chance. And that just goes to show you how imbalanced the playing field is. And Eric Bieniemy going to the Washington Commanders – that is nothing but a parallel move. He's going from one genius to another genius. He's going from one great coach to another great coach. He will always be overshadowed by that great coach. It is just no excuse on why this guy, as well as others, as well as others. You look at Steve Wilkes with the Carolina Panthers. I mean, the guy stabilized the team, actually won games, brought them to a level of respectability, and he still didn't get the job. So it speaks for itself, and it's, it's unfortunately uh, a part of our society, not just the NFL. And I don't think there will ever, 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 ever be a time that we're sitting back and saying, remember when. If you want to look at the model of success, of balance and diversity, start with the NBA. The NBA has, you know, I, women, men, gay, whatever, whatever it may be, they have it. And they they truly not just talk the talk, they walk the walk. And they are to be, you know, I, I just say they are, they are to be commended for the way they have attacked diversity in a very sincere manner that, you know, and that's why their product is, continues to thrive. But with the NFL... I guess this the good and the bad of all this, Tom, but the NFL is just so damn good that it really, it really truly doesn't matter. They can have a sense of arrogance that, you know, other organizations, businesses, corporations can't get, get away with. I, I always say this with, with, with a smile on my face. The, there's only one person, one or two people. It used to be two people that NFL was afraid of, and that was... Uh, Jeff Bezos, who they're no longer because he has the Amazon deal with the with the league, and 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 Elon Musk, those are the only two guys who can just turn around and, and and say, you know what? I think I'm gonna buy the NFL. So those are the only two people that I think can ever do something about it. But then that creates a, a whole a different set of challenges, problems, and, and questions. But you know that that's my fun fact right there. Tim, we always love having you on, man. You're the best. And uh, and uh, we'll look forward to getting back with you here sometime soon. You take care of you and that family of yours. All right, my friend? All right. Were you talking about Boy George earlier? I was. I was telling a story about, you know, I mean, I could see you back in the day now. Tennessee, I could see you back in the day, Tim, out there. When, you know, come a, 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 come a
I can see it. Yeah, he was he was just in Fort Lauderdale, and uh, it, they, they had a, a big par um, parade down here, and he was he was down here as the uh, the headliner. So pretty cool that he's coming back. Absolutely. I had a chance. I was telling a story. I had a chance. I was with Harry Carey back when I was announcing the Cubs games and, and he was sitting at a table uh, next to us where we were having lunch in New York City one day. And, and I mean, look, I mean, I, you and I are the same age, roughly. I mean, we grew up with right. that, right? You get out on a dance yeah, floor. I can see you out there. I mean, I'm one of the great dancers of all time. I don't know if you're a very good dancer or not, but I'm one of the all time greats. And uh, and so I had to go over and say hello to the guy. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. When you talk about the age, yeah, we're 24, 25. It's, you know, somewhere around there. Somewhere <laughs> around there. That's right. That's right. All right, Tim. Have a good weekend, man. All right, brother. See you guys. Right, Thanks buddy. for having see me, you, Tim's the best, man. He is the best. Can't you see him out there? I mean, he looked like Paul Fritzner at Xavier. Oh, yeah. But going back to Tennessee, way back there. All the ladies out there dancing around a little bit. Can't you see it? Look at Casey. He's got it going on over there. You a big dancer, Casey? Uh, I mean, if you're somewhere, like, for example, now your wedding. Yeah. Okay. Are you having a band? Are you having a DJ? What do you have? You know yet? DJ. Okay. You have a DJ. So, I mean, outside of the customary traditional dance with the bride, the, you know, the, the father dances with the bride, you know, all that kind of stuff, the slow stuff. Um, are you taking any dance lessons, by the way, to get ready for that? No, no. Because we did that. I don't need dance lessons. We Tom. went to one of those, um, what, what are they, uh, Murray. You know, the dance uh, places, their studios, they're all over the country. Fred Murray, is that it? No idea. Okay, anyway, we did that because, you know, we just wanted that, that, that one dance to be very nice. And it turned out, I have to say, you know, you'd go one week and you were learning the... Um, merengue and the next week you go in the cha-cha and then you go do the two-step and all this. you were learning all these as you went along i would highly recommend that to any couple and i sincerely mean this i would highly recommend that to do that not 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 exclusively to lead up to your wedding i'm just saying if something is a couple to go do that is really a lot of fun there are other couples there too you don't have to be a great dancer to go to it. I would recommend you consider it. Well, then take oh. some video, send it back, and we'll get it as content for the show. <clears throat> I will say that I am a master class at Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> oh, my God. That's my ultimate dance. You can ask my fiance. I don't know if she's watching. So, in other words, if we played this, I got up and did the gritty early in the season, right? You did. I did. Not very well, but gave it a shot. All right? Swallowed my pride and got out there, and Brandon, you know, graded me not doing so great, which is fine. He was right. But, um, boy, the player formerly known as Mouse Cop says, Casey, you should be fired for that. Oh, oh my God, Casey. Now, if we play that song, would you get out here and give us a little rendition of that since you uh, are master class, as you just said? Well, I need a partner, too. You need a partner to do that. Well, the, you could ask night. Alex to come in, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> she can come in, and I'll, I'll, I'll do my, my hoedown on Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> <laughs> what? 
Nothing. What, what's wrong with the hoedown? There is not a darn thing wrong with the hoedown. <laughs> Everybody's got to have something, right? You you gotta have you gotta have some sort of go to and a dance or whatever it is. You gotta have some sort of a party trick. That's right. That you can go to. That's right. Something that when you're in a big room of people, you can fall back on and you can be comfortable with because you know, for good or bad, you're gonna kill it. Casey, that's the well. I can. Kanye Joe. I, I Kanye Joe, but I also will just dance to anything. So you will get out there. I mean, if you were for you know, it, put your wedding part aside, but but if you were somewhere, you and Alex are hanging out somewhere, whether it's at somebody's house and they get some music going, you know, whatever it might be, and people are kind of dancing around a little bit, or you're in some, uh, you know, music club, whatever it might be, you would get out there comfortably. Yes. You're comfortable in your own skin. To get out. You weren't one of those guys in high school that was standing up against a wall, afraid to go ask some girl to dance. No, but I do have a funny story about that. Please. All right. So, I, in my sophomore year of high school, I asked this girl um, to go to the dance with me. She was a high school crush. And we, like, barely danced the whole night. And I just thought, man, this is just going terribly. And I, I was a... Uh, I was a bit troubled back then. I just ended up leaving the dance and left her there. Yeah, it was going so bad that I ended up just leaving her. And she didn't know that I had left. Apparently, there was this guy there that just swooped her off her knees and her legs and just... They ended up uh, getting four feet, one or of the feet. other. Yeah, one of, one of those body knees, parts. Knees, legs, <laughs> feet. It's all, they're all attached. <laughs> they're all attached. This <laughs> we got there eventually. We got there. <laughs> oh, forget that story. Anyways. You I, left I, to go and finish I, the story. I, I, and then I, I, we'll follow up the prosecution. We'll have questions yeah, for the witness I, here in a second. I left the girl there. She ended up finding her next date there. Swept off her knees. Swept off her knees. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they ended up being together for like a very long time. I ended up being a matchmaker without knowing it. Because so I left the girl So there. wait a minute. You're a sophomore. I mean, look, it's proven. It's proven, right? Uh, medically, it's proven. Uh, you know, and, and some of the things in the brain and men, young boys or teenage boys especially, make very bad decisions, uh, more so than girls. Uh, so, did, did you go to, like, this girl's house and pick her up in she, a car beforehand and all that kind of thing with her mom and dad and take pictures and everything? No, she came to my place, actually. She picked you up? Yeah. And you, did you take pictures and all that? Um, yes, we did. We did take pictures. They're probably on Facebook somewhere. And, and, and so you then decide to leave her. I mean, just Houdini, we like to call it in my friend group, right? You pulled a Houdini where all of a sudden you were there and yeah. then poof. The Irish goodbye. Right. You're gone. Yeah. yeah just... I mean, you felt no responsibility for her well-being getting home or. Well, she, she had a ride home. I wasn't responsible for her to get home. But is this one of those where the girls ask the guy? No, no. Right. I had asked her. They're trying to outlaw those now, you know, in schools, right? Well, we did those every year. Well, I mean, thank God we still do them at our high school, but a lot of high schools are getting rid of that. They Sandy don't want that Sandy kind of Hawkins thing going dance? on. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, no, that's weird. Can't have that. 
But, okay. So, Paul, would you be out there? Like, well, let me ask you this. Does okay. Dana Gardens have where people can dance? Oh, yeah. Plenty of room. Plenty of room. They actually, but do people do it? Uh, it? Depends on how crowded it is. Sure. Let's say yes. No, it's either a yes or no question. Well, you I know where you're going dozens, with Dozens, if not I know where you're going with this. How about this? If you're at oh, Tin Roof. Hundreds, if not thousands, Tom. What? If you're at Tin Roof. Tin Roof. There, there we they're, go. They're playing... There's a band up there, and they're asking people to dance. Are you up there dancing if it's not too crowded? Are you up uh, there in the front row? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't look pretty. It is bad. It's a bad scene. It is a horrific scene. But see, I'm not – I don't care. Like, I'm not going to sit there and make myself feel bad and, like, stand in the back and have a bad time. I'm absolutely going to get up there and have a, a good time. So you are. Oh, yeah. You're, and you're it's going to be ugly. getting out there, no problem. It's going to be ugly. Oh, yeah. Like, it's it doesn't not matter a good if it's scene. ugly. See, that's the thing that young people don't understand. And I try, you know, the, the, the kids today are getting out there in groups much more so than maybe we did. You know, they all go to dances together. Sometimes they don't have dates, but there'll be like 20 of them. They just all decide, we're going to, you know, the snowball dance tonight. Sure. And instead of everybody having a date, uh, you know, that's the way they do it. But they get out there. And, and, and look, it doesn't matter if you're any good. That's the thing. You can try to tell the young people, but they get uptight about, you know, oh, I'm not going to embarrass myself. I'm not going to look stupid, you know, that sort of stuff. It, that's no different than it was when we were in high school. You're a little worried about feeling, you know, looking stupid. Mm. But, Paul, I mean, you, you're a gamer. Oh, yeah. You get me out there, yeah, I got no, I got no issue with it. It's just, uh, it just doesn't look good, but I don't care. It doesn't doesn't matter. Yeah. Hey, now, I'm not going to get Paul. it. I'm not going to. Like, Paul the Chippendale, says AJ. That's it. Look, you hit the nail on the head, AJ. Hit the nail. I couldn't have described it better myself. That's exactly when you see me. That's what you think. <laughs> I fully expect him to be on my dance floor at my wedding. Oh, Casey. The whole night. I will be there. So my party trick is a, it's not really a party trick, but you get about four or five, you know, you're at Tin Roof. You drink through your shirt. You what? Yeah. It's, uh... You drink through your shirt? Yeah, you, you pull the shirt. I'm not gonna... You pull the shirt up, and you put the beer through the shirt. <laughs> what, what, why, what would prompt that happening? I don't know why it started. I mean, you, can't, you can stand there with a can of beer and dance, right? Yeah. Okay, well, so... It works better with a bottle. Can you do a demonstration? we got a white claw over there if you want to... Well, it would... Just... I, I don't... I don't want to like flash the camera. Well, well what is the point of <laughs> There's putting no point, a sh- Tom. Okay. There's oh, no point. It's just like something to do. There's no point. Okay. There's no it's point. Just you a... just get to a point in the night where everybody's been dancing and having a good time and all of a sudden the shirt just kind of just kind of goes over your head and you sort of drink through the shirt. That's the party trick. <laughs> the first year party trick. It's not a good party trick. It's bad. But every once in a while it's kind of funny. I expect it at my wedding. So you better oh, bring something that you can do it with. It'll, it might make an appearance. George <laughs> says Paul might be a belly dancer. Hey, maybe. Oh man, Mouse Cop Chapter. That was back when Mount Adams was in its heyday. Well, there's no doubt. Chapter, Chapter's and, 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 I, I, I was a part of all of it. You know, Pavilion's gone too. I know. I, Everything's I, you know, gone. But the, but the two mainstays, you know, now they aren't the dance. It used to be back up there in Mount Adams, and I was up there. I once had the nickname the mayor of Mount Adams. Uh, I was living up there, and, and basically up there, Bill Hemmer and I were up there virtually every night. Um, and, you know, you had um, 
You had chapter, you had the pavilion, you had the, uh, I'm drawing a, a blank on the uh, long worse up top. They had a dance area up there. But look, tried and true, outlast them all. Tortoise in the hair, right? Mount Adams Bar and Grill, Blind Lemon. Yeah. It's the best. Blind Lemon, the best. Owned by uh, Pat and Ed Shepard. And uh, the best. The best. They've owned that place for over 50 years. Crowley's is still there. Crowley's, rock solid. Crowley's is a yeah. great spot. Yep. Crowley's and, and... And all of you Jesuits and Catholics, the second you walk out of there after drinking yourself blind, you can, you can walk across the street and get on your knees right there at the chapel. Yeah. Immaculata. Been there many times. <laughs> Two cousins have gotten married there. That's a big league place. Yeah. Do you know why that is lit up at night? Have you ever read that story, heard this no. story? You know how when you're driving by at night, it's all lit up the cross at the yeah. top of, of the chapel? Yeah. Apparently, there's a guy who lives across the river in northern Kentucky, right there along the river, uh, who got married to his wife there. Uh, it was either the 40th or 50th anniversary. They got married there, right? And from their place in northern Kentucky... They wanted to be able to see that church at night and the crucifix on top of the, of the chapel. And so he bought the lights to light it up every single night. Really? Yeah. Learn something new every day, boys. Great right? story. Tom, I'm going to open up the lines for phone calls for the All last right, 30 minutes Let's open it up show. right now. Here you see the number. Um, George wants to know if I ever went to Studio 54 in New York. No. That was a little bit before my time. A little bit before my time. And it bums me out because I would have loved that joint. Um, okay, here's a number. Now, it's a little convoluted. I mean, it, it, more than a little. Okay, but we're going to take a couple of phone calls. We're going to take a break first. I'm going to throw it to the Ham and Eggers, and then we'll have the last 30 minutes. This is almost like the Rush Limbaugh radio experience. Because Fridays were always caller days. Mm. So today, Friday, and moving forward, going to be our caller days. Okay. Fair enough? Okay. Fair. That works. Okay. All Fair. right. So there's a number. You figure it out. All right. Right? <laughs> I mean, you, you got to have a, a doctorate degree from MIT to get through this show. The nuclear oh. codes. That's exactly right. Uh, those are hidden away somewhere in the... Um, uh, the Biden policy, Delaware, you know, the, the, this code right here. Uh, yeah. So please dial it up and, um, and let's get to your phone calls right around the corner. Ham and Eggers, all yours. All right. Thanks, Tom. Uh, Casey, do you have anything that we have not gotten to that, you, we, that we need to get to? Well, you know, the title of the show is actually NFL, MLB, XFL, NBA, and MLS all today. And we have not gotten to any of the other leagues besides the NFL. So I'm going to just briefly, quickly rapid fire some stuff some thoughts first off you have xfl thoughts well i'm excited to watch it just the first opening weekend when does it start i'm pretty sure it's this weekend okay and i did I'm, not know that i think that aj mccarron it does it starts tomorrow yeah aj mccarron is playing a, a, a old bengal he almost won us a playoff game <laughs> uh plays for the battle hawks st louis battle hawks I'm very excited to watch How that. many teams are there, Casey? I don't know one single thing about this league. Besides the fact that The Rock owns it, doesn't he? I think yeah. The Rock has something to do with it. Yeah, there's eight. Eight okay. teams. Eight teams. And, oh, DC has a team. Yep, DC, the DC Defenders. DC Defenders. I'm in. 
What's the odds on the DC Defenders to win the XFL? Can I do this live? Does Betfred Sportsbook offer the XFL? I don't know if they do yet. I don't know. But they've got this league has got players like Josh Gordon. They do uh, not. Kalen Balage. There's some different guys around the league that Paxton Lynch. I'm excited. I, I'm a big football guy. Um, I know most people probably won't care as much unless you're super big football fans like me. What is a Brahma? The San Antonio Brahmas? What is a Brahma? Is that like a is that like a bowl? Is that the thing the rocks? I think I as I talk that through, I think that that's a uh, a Brahma chicken. It's a chicken. It's a. There's no way. So it, it's kind of like the Gamecocks. It's a Brahma, right? Yeah, but this logo looks like a bowl. This logo looks like it's like a. a well, what's the helmet look like? It does look like a chicken wing. I, I'm assuming it's like a Gamecock then. I have no idea. All right. These names, though, are elite. Guardians, Roughnecks, Defenders, Renegades, Brahmas, Dragons, Battlehawks, Vipers. Okay, so that's the XFL. What else you got for us? Um, I'm kind of worried NBA-wise. You know how much I love the Mavericks. I thought so. The, the Brahma Bulls. I, I, I thought it was a rock connection. I just didn't want to say it for sure. I did not know that that was that. Okay. But Kyrie Irving... And Luka Doncic, since playing together, have not won a ball game yet. Uh, that worries me. I hope that gets straightened out. And also, I'm excited to watch Kevin Durant with the, the Phoenix. I'm excited for that. Um, NBA All Star. Are you an All? Are you an NBA All Star guy? I probably would have been long ago, but now it's kind of dunk contest is awful. Yeah, now it's just terrible. Bad. It's so bad. It's so I, bad. I wish it was better. I wish it was better, but I don't think I don't think these games like like we said before, like the Pro Bowl and the, the All Star games, it just they can't be good anymore. And it just we're at a different time now. Yeah, but yeah, and then the other thing, um, the other two leagues, MLB. I found the article for ESPN really interesting about how the pitch clock will impact famous baseball moments. If you haven't, take some time to read that. It's kind of interesting. It is actually pretty interesting. So just to, to go off that a little bit more, ESPN did a big breakdown of how the pitch clock that's going to be instituted this year would have affected previous big moments in baseball. We won't go through them all. They did a litany of, of moments, but um, it was just kind of fun. Part of the fun of being a sports fan is going back and playing the what-if game, as I always say. So uh, that, was, that was kind of fun. We don't have any calls yet, so if anybody wants to call in. Well, we, we certainly invite you to call in. Um, Boom Shakalaka says, I'm not a big NBA guy, as Jerry Naren used to say. He's baseball guy. But I have to admit that Casey has got me tuned into the NBA a little bit more. Or illegal gambling, perhaps, has me tuning into the NBA a little bit more. Well, the gambling part does really help. But I think, I think you start developing like a somewhat of a fandom because you want players to succeed because you're betting on them a lot. Like here recently, I've been betting on, uh, I've been betting a lot of Celtics as of late and I don't really like the Celtics. So it's kind of weird, but 
Who are the top five teams in the NBA right now? I would say the Celtics are Celtics. probably up there. Yep. Um, so the Celtics are Nuggets. probably the best team in the league. The Bucks are the second in the East. Are we going to do the Sixers song and dance again? Are we going to do that? I we really need to collectively. Love, definitely not. Go we ahead. Need, love Embiid, Any though. team? No, no. We need to collectively decide if we're gonna if we're gonna do this whole Sixers it, thing again. So it's it's Boston, Bucks, Seventy Sixers, Cleveland, Nuggets, Grizzlies. Those are probably your top five teams. Kings are having a great year out in the West. Kings are having a really nice year. I don't know if they're title contenders. All right. Well, nice I year. read the, the the story where now Kevin Durant's getting ready to suit him up after the big trade with the Suns. I was out there when that trade happened. There were a lot of people really excited. There were a lot of people that weren't so excited. They liked those young players the Suns gave up in that deal. Right? I mean, they really yeah. like these guys. But they feel like that, uh, you know, Phoenix uh, needed if the, the, the powers that be felt like the Suns needed to go get um, Durant, and now all of a sudden Durant says this is an NBA title kind of team. I think it's an NBA title team. I mean, I Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, I think those two together along with Michael Bridges, or no, they traded him, didn't they? Yep. Chris Paul. Yep, Chris Paul. He's still there. Yeah, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Chris Paul, and then you add in Kevin Durant. I mean, that's that's a good team. Super team's a, never gone wrong before. <laughs> never. Ever. But I, mean, I, I like think it. back to that whole thing where they brought in what? Kyrie, Durant, and Harden. They played 16 games together, and they went 13-3 and three in those 16 games. Over how many years? Yeah. What well, could have been. Yeah, what could have been. But it never was. But it never was. Um, okay, we got anybody dialing up yet? No. Nope. Yeah. No one okay. yet. We're inviting your phone calls. And again, the nuclear um, code is on the screen. Yeah, there, there, there it is. Uh, I'm trying to figure it out just like you are. Uh, Nick Couch makes a good point. Celtics fan, but don't sleep on Denver. I mean, night in and night out, Denver is one of the most competitive teams in the league. 41 and 18 on the year. Man, I mean, it's the joke, just, man. Yeah. Jokic. But, I mean, I watched the Celtics the other day. They play, they were playing the, the Grizzlies. And when they're on, dude, they just drain threes all day long. I mean, it just – they reminded me a lot of the Warriors way back when. I mean, they, Warriors can still pull off something here at the end of the season. But they've just never been the same. I think they've been kind of played with injuries. It looks like we're getting someone dialed in. So, okay. let me, let me try right. to screen them real quick. All right. Well, we've um... – Many of you on the chat, we appreciate it. And uh, we still have locks of the night coming up, or perhaps locks of the weekend. We do. Coming yes. up from uh, so, Paul and Casey. So just so you know, college basketball lines don't come out until about 18 hours before a game. So for Saturday and Sunday, I can give you an idea of what a line will be, and then we'll just go from there. We'll do like three or four games. That'd be great. Let's right. do that. because. Uh, and, and by the way, we have to make an official presentation, which I'm prepared to do at any time for your charity of choice for winning oh. the, the uh, football pool. It's $1,000 okay, yeah. yeah. for your charity of choice. I mean, yeah. I, uh, Special Olympics is the charity of choice. All right, me. well, then we're going to have to get a um, – I will bring in a check next week. Okay. And we will do it in Paul Fritchner's name. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, as, as I have said before, if you weren't listening before, I mean – 
Special Olympics is, uh, I mean, my dad helped, my dad helped create Special Olympics golf. He and he and one other guy were the two founding uh, guys for Special Olympics golf. And uh, my parents met at a, a Special Olympics event. My uncle has Down syndrome, so it's been super important to me. And yep. I've volunteered with Special Olympics forever. Uh, it's it's a great organization, and especially here in Southwest Ohio, they do a really really good job around in this area and in the state of Ohio too. So, yeah, uh, that's it's always it's been near and dear to my heart. They do a great job, and and with the sports aspect of it too, especially with this show, it's kind of all ties in. Special Olympics is unbelievable to go watch. Yeah, just to sit and watch. You don't even have to have any skin in the game, meaning a relative or whatever it might be. The yeah. joy is is just. I mean, whether you're first or last. Yeah, the, the the joy is indescribable, and it's so it's so it's it's beautiful to see. You go to an event, and it's just every athlete is always so happy. So happy. If you want just a pick me up in life and just pure joy for no three doubt. or four hours, nobody's ever in a bad mood. Nobody ever gets down on themselves. Sometimes they get frustrated. Sure. Right. So th- sometimes there's some frustration. But uh, you, they're never in a bad mood. It's always a great experience. And, yeah, if, if you're ever looking for uh, an opportunity to volunteer, I know Special Olympics around here in this area is always looking for volunteers, whether it's umpires or whether it's a coaches. And the other thing, too, and this is something that I have done for years since, since I was in high school, is, like, if, if you're a golfer, they're always looking for partners, golf partners. So maybe there is – say that there's an athlete with down syndrome that how they do it is they play partner golf so the athlete is paired the, the athlete is whoever has special needs the athlete is paired with a partner sure and you can just volunteer and i know many people that don't have any connection to their partner that they have played with for now decades and their families have become close and it's just because they wanted to volunteer one day they got randomly paired up and then you know that family and the other family have become close like there there are great stories from that so if you ever just want to play golf on a sun, saturday afternoon and want to have some fun with some good people there's always that that uh that option on the and table. i'm sure you can find out exactly where to do that by going just to the special olympics yes. website yep special olympics website and and uh and uh, Ty Bradshaw, too, uh, with the Miracle Leagues here. It's not exactly Special Olympics, but Alex po- uh, points it out. Ty's been uh, great with us here at Chatterbox. He's hosted coaches' shows, the game day show, um, what he's doing with the Joe Nuxall Miracle Field, yep. which is you know all in that kind of same yep. vein. Um, that, that's great work here around in, in Hamilton. So, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all good stuff. Ty's our buddy. Oh, he is. No, n- nobody on the planet you like to give a bunch of heat to more than Ty Bradshaw. <laughs> He's the man. He is a great dude. He he uh he gave me my first shot in broadcasting. Really? Outside of Xavier, yeah. He he hired me. I was the voice of the Hamilton Joes back in 2016, and I got to meet Ty. And now it's kind of come full circle here with Chatterbox. So yeah, he Ty's is, a great he guy. He is an awesome dude. Yeah, awesome guy. Okay, uh, who do we have? We have a caller. Yes, we have Boom. Boom, he's back on. Boom, what's happening, my man? Fellas, what's up? How you doing? Good. Hey, that's a top-notch facility down there at the uh, Miracle League Fields. You all been down there? Yes, sir. It's an unbelievable place. They're talking about adding an indoor basketball, big old indoor uh, facility as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they just continue to do an unbelievable job up in this area and all of the people that have been with them as far as their big sponsors and, and donors and all that kind of thing. I mean, it, it really is. It's, it's, 
it's unbelievable. I mean, all the different things you can think of, uh, electric, plumbing, um, you know, all, uh, construction, all of that was done free of charge by different business owners uh, in and around uh, Hamilton, Fairfield, Greater Cincinnati. Uh, th th those people donated all of that to make, to make those fields, plural, happen. And it sounds like now uh, a basketball facility. It's going to be top-notch. A few housekeeping items. Have we uh, decided on a tip-off time yet for Chatterbox and Headlines? <laughs> we did talk about that. We, we need you to broadcast it, Tom. It's a Chatterbox Headlines basketball game. Haven't, uh, haven't figured out Broadcast it? Yeah. yeah. Just stream it. Stream it. Unless you want to play in it. You want to play well, What? Are you kidding? Of we didn't want to volunteer you. We didn't want to put you on the spot. Are you kidding me? Oh, let's go. This is even better. This is even better. Us against Tom, the guys out there? Yeah. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Boom. Forgive I'm, me. I bought – well, no, you're fine. Are you in? Because I bought two uh, courtside seats. So. <laughs> I, I am definitely in, Boom. You and I will hang out. When I need a breather as a 59-year-old man, maybe going up and down the court seven, eight, ten times, I might just steal one of your two seats or sit on your lap. Yeah, yeah. I'll have the cooler. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll be good. Hey, another question. Paul, who do you think realistically has a chance to win the national title? Uh, I say there are, there, are three teams, there are three teams in my mind that I would look at, at as national title contenders. One is Houston. That's an easy one. The other one is Alabama. That's an easy one. And then I, I like – I'm, I'm going to give you one because I, you know, I could sit here and say Purdue. I could sit here and say – I could, I could list any of those top teams off. I don't hate Baylor. I really don't hate Baylor as as a team that kind of is coming out of nowhere, not out of nowhere when they're 20 and 6 and in the Big 12. But I don't hate Baylor as a team that might creep up on some people that you haven't heard a ton about this year. I just I, I think that the coaching is way too good with Scott Drew. That most of their losses came early in the season. They started 0 and 3 in the Big 12 and since then only one loss. They're 9 and 1 in their last 10 in the Big in the Big 10, so or in the Big 12. So uh I, yeah. I like Baylor. I like Baylor a lot. There's obviously obviously fantastic teams, but when it comes down to winning a title, I think everybody agrees there's only a handful of teams that can actually pull it off. So, But, yeah, yeah you, you, you look at Purdue right now and then you look at some of the other teams and it's like, all right, who, who actually is capable of pulling this thing off? Well, Boom, you obviously follow it. Who do you think? I mean, Paul just gave his three or four teams he thinks that are in that mix. Who do you think's in that mix? I like Houston. I think Kansas is getting hot. Don't tell Trace. Um, <laughs> but I think Houston's got some good guards. Um, I'm more of a I'm more of a baseball guy. Happy okay. opening day, by the way. So, uh, but I, you know, I, I think right now I'd like to see Houston win it. Well, so, somebody different, um, not one of your typical blue bloods. And it would. It's in Houston too. The national championship is in Houston. It'd be a home game. All right, Boom, let me ask you something here real quick before we let you go and get to our next call. Since you're a baseball guy, you just said that. What is your realistic expect? What is your expectation of the Reds this season? I think they're going to surprise people. Obviously, you got to stay healthy. I think that goes with any sport or any team. But um, I really think they've 
they're I, I think they're still a couple years away, but I don't think they're going to be in the bottom of the bottom of the division. I think um, they've got the three studs that they can build around. Maybe find somebody to sneak up in spring training, take one of the other spots, and um, they got to stay healthy, right? You got to pitch it. You got to keep it inside the park um, when you can. But I really, really like the the core group that they've. It hadn't been. It hasn't been fun getting to this point, right? Mm-hmm. With some of the drama and the whatever the front office is saying, and just some of the other moves that they've made. That you know that hadn't been fun, but I think Jonathan India is going to have a heck of a year. I think he's 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 even made the comments. He's going to he wants to be better than his rookie year. Mm-hmm. And, and I assume you like the decision the way they're going to handle uh, Tyler Stevenson this year. Yeah, I do. I think. Um, Joey Votto's gotta gotta do something, right? Like let, let's put some runs up on the board. Let's he, he he's gotta we we gotta get the most out of him in in our last year. But uh yeah, I think, you know, between Stevenson, India, De La Cruz, uh, I I think they've got you're gonna have to hit lightning in a bottle, right? I mean yeah. that's how you know, you look back to the Marlins back in the 90s, and, and you're going to have to be one of those teams. You're not just going to out-slug and out-pitch everybody. You're going to have to uh, stay healthy. But, uh, you know, that's part of it, right? Absolutely. All right, Boom, we thank you. Bring a little baseball talk to the show. Second time uh, we've had him, and yeah. Boom, I guess you're the, you're the second, mo- uh, second most famous Indiana State alum behind Larry Bird. Is that right? <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that route. Hey, I got a funny story. I uh, I went to a junior college the first two years, so then I went to Indiana State the junior senior year. So I'm taking sport management, go to class, uh, decent looking blonde girls sitting next to her, go around, you know, syllabus day, figuring out who's who, and the last name Bird pops up. I'm like, are you by chance related to Larry Bird? So for the next two years, I had class with her. I was trying to, I uh, went on eBay, got a Larry Bird jersey, but she would not take it to her uh, family Thanksgiving and get it signed for me. <laughs> How about on, that? Bird, just, How about that? I was like, just take this, take this jersey. Real, real, real cool girl, but uh, I was like, just take this jersey to Thanksgiving, get it signed. She's like, no, I'm not taking this to Thanksgiving and getting you it signed. So, uh, yeah, I quit talking to her after that. I mean, what was the point? I don't blame you. Hell, I wouldn't talk to her either. I mean, she can't even just take the thing, stick it under her arm, show up, and just say, hey, can you sign this for a classmate of mine? You know, I don't blame you. Yeah, part of your your graduation requirements are you have to have an internship. So we're going around and saying, toward the end of the – end of the year everybody's where you you know where are you getting an internship somebody's going boys and girls club and this and that ymca we get to her i'm going to the pacers like oh no kidding <laughs> <laughs> all right but no, that's a great going, story uh, my man you have I, a great I, weekend I up, all right hey cheers fellas thank you thank you buddy right. thanks man. great to hear from boom once again uh we still have a few minutes if any of you uh want to get in you see the number up there on the screen to call let me ask you this, Paul, and I, I don't think I've asked you this point blank. Sure. What, what is your expectation for Xavier in the tournament? Realistically now, okay, take off the blue glasses. No, no, no. no. Take I, them off. No, no I, I think that uh, with a healthy team, 
Xavier is a second weekend team. I, I, I do. And from there, it just depends on the bracket. But with a healthy team, you get Des Claude back, who it sounds like should be back soon. In fact, he may play tomorrow. I haven't heard anything, but he may play tomorrow against DePaul. Um, you get Fremantle back, and you get him to 100% before the tournament. That's a big thing, because just because he comes back That's doesn't right. mean he's going to be at 100%. That's right. So you get him back, you get him at 100%, and you're rolling into March Madness as maybe a, a four or a five seed. You get him there as a four seed. You know, you win your first game, and you have a decent matchup against a five or, or against a, what would that be, against a four or five, you know, three or six, depending on where you end up in that second round. I mean, you're a second weekend team, and from there, it's just maybe you get lucky with some upsets or, or whatever. Um, the offense has the ability to carry them. The defense has looked better, especially against Marquette. Yep. But um, I, I do think that this is a second weekend team. I think all the Big East teams at their peak can be second weekend teams, but we'll we'll, we'll see how it all uh, shakes out. I, I do think that Xavier is going to be pretty matchup dependent in the tournament, which does make me a little nervous. Um, but we'll see. Okay. All right. You think that's the way most Xavier fans feel? They get back healthy. They should be playing the second weekend. So Sweet 16, perhaps Elite Eight. I would, I would say Sweet 16 is very realistic for this team if everybody is healthy and they are, they're playing as they have been playing for this Big East season. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We have another call, Casey. We do. Who we have? Hey, Tom. It's Sir Boy. How are you doing this morning? Sir Boy, how are you, my man? Great to have you back with us. How's everything? Doing great, doing great. Just listening to the show. It's been a great show so far. I love Tim McGee this morning. I thought it was very good what he had to say about the free agency and all that. Yep. Um, Paul, quick question. <laughs> it seems like college basketball has gotten so more spread out than it used to because it always seemed like when I was growing up, like you'd have Georgetown, Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke, teams like that. They would all go like it would – they would go the whole season – and then they would lose, like, their first game in, like, the beginning of February, and they would only end up losing, like, three games all year. Would you attribute that basically to everyone now with the transfer portal, NIL, stuff like that, why teams are starting to lose more games earlier in the season now? Well, there, there, there is more – I do think there is more parity now in, in the last few years. I mean, you think back to the Kentucky team that was 38-0. You think back to the Gonzaga team that went to the national championship mm -hmm. undefeated. You haven't seen an undefeated team since, you know, what was it, three, four decades? But at the same time, I do think that, that there is more talent just overall in general in the sport. There's way more talent. Um, and the talent in Division One is much better than it may have been a couple of decades ago. And the other thing, too, is you look at the scheduling, think about all of those uh, early season tournaments like Maui or like this year the PK-85 in Portland. You're getting all of these big teams together earlier in the season, which creates the ability to lose some games. And you're not seeing these top-tier teams that maybe aren't as elite as some of the older teams might have been just congested at the top with all the players going to one place. The players realize that if you're an elite player now in the transfer portal, like let's say you go to a mid-major school for two years, you perform really well, you can transfer to a high-major school. Look at look at Xavier, Sule Boom. He goes to UTEP. Well, it started at San Francisco. Then he goes to UTEP. Now he's at Xavier. Now you're talking about a guy that – it could potentially go as an undrafted free agent. And that has become the path for a lot of these guys that you can now 
start lower, build your career, go to the top, and that just creates more parity overall in college basketball. Creates a better a better sport, a better product. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's where you're seeing it. But again, when you talk about losing your first game in the beginning of February, a lot of that just has to do with the scheduling now at the beginning of the season where you have football and all these things that you're competing with. College basketball realize we need to start putting a lot of these marquee games earlier on in the season to generate some interest in the sport. And therefore, you have Feast Week and all these others when a lot of these bigger teams catch some, some losses. And then I was going to ask you about Miami. Man, they look like a really great team. When I watched them the last couple of weeks, is, do you do you is there any chance you see them making it past the Sweet Sixteen, possibly well, getting to the Elite at the Final no, Four? Or no? no doubt they can. Their their computer numbers kind of worry me. Kind of kind of make me wonder if they are uh, if, if they're kind of a flash the in the ACC pan. The ACC is terrible. Yeah, yeah. The, the the ACC being terrible uh, is what worries me because the ACC is truly terrible. It, it's really bad. Um, but Miami looks very good. I just, I just don't know if the ACC is as bad as they really do look when you watch them night in and night out, or if maybe Miami is just so much better and and uh, they, you know, they're competing there with Virginia at the top. I mean, Miami's won five games in a row. So can they can they turn around and get it done? We'll see. All right, sir boy, we appreciate the call. Uh, we're gonna try to sneak in one more. You have a great rest of your day and a great weekend, my friend. All right, gentlemen, take it easy. I appreciate it. Always great having Sir Boy Wonder. It's a real man. It's a real man. That's exactly right. All right, we got one more case. Is that right? Yep, one more. Okay, who we have? Uh, Let me me, uh, bring him in right now. Hang on one second. Okay. All right. All right, who do we have the pleasure of speaking with? Your best friend. Oh. Oh. That's Thomas. Thomas. Thomas, I'm sorry you had to go out of town a couple of times with Casey. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. <laughs> Obviously, you're more important yeah. in his life than Alexandria. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Hey, I just wanted to, uh, one, uh, wish my best friend a happy birthday tomorrow because it's his birthday. Ooh, thank you. We'll get to that in a uh, minute. Thank you, Thomas. And then, uh, secondly, you guys were talking about uh, dance moves earlier. You got to ask him about when he was doing the uh, whip and nene while we were in high school. Whip and nene? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm going to have to tell another story. Yeah, because um, that, that was always entertaining. Yeah, so. Well, Tomas, thank you for the call. So, please, uh, Casey. Yeah. Well, uh, it, well, uh, that was in the whip and the nene that was going on at the same time, right? Watch me whip. Yes. Watch me, Nene. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? So th- that was. Wait, the... think about that ball. <laughs> Hold it out on you. Surprised you, didn't I? You did. Never yeah, fail, right. Tom. You never fails. Yeah. So in my senior year of high school, that Quit song laughing. was at the peak. It was peak. impressive. It was great. It was at the peak of its popularity. Yes. And we had this math teacher. Uh, her name was, uh, well, I, I won't name drop because we're not supposed to name drop. The on math that one. teacher. But she. Hello, teacher. <laughs> you could uh, convince her to do anything. And I one day got her to play the song in class. And I was going to demonstrate how to do the dance. So in the middle, this is like the first or second week of school. I'm up in the middle of class doing the dance. Whip. Watch me, Nene. I know. I, I know how to do yeah, it. And, and right? uh, she just got a kick out of that. And Did she join you? No, no, she just... Was she young? 
No, she was just really gullible and manipulatable. She hot? No. <laughs> okay. No, so right. Just uh, there's a lot of funny stories with that teacher. But okay, all right. All right. Thomas, yeah, thank we, you we very go. much. We're winding down. Thanks for the call. Come back, please. We'd love to have you back. We'll do. We'll all right, do. buddy. All right. That's good stuff. AJ liked that story. Tomas, dialed in. All right. Um, what do we got to get in here in our last three minutes? Well, cherry on top, I was just going just gonna to wish uh, Casey a happy birthday. Don't think I forgot, Casey. We were waiting until the end. Thank you. Happy Thank birthday, you. Casey. You doing happy anything Happy birthday, fun? Casey. So what are the big plans? I mean, you gave us the Valentine's Day, um, you know, itinerary the other night on how you, um, you know, you, you fired up the grill for the first time. Yeah. And big, you know, the steaks and had it all going. So what about for the birthday? What do you get? What do you got happening? Um, well, tonight, if anything, tonight, I'm actually trying to go watch uh, Ant-Man, the, the new one. The what? Uh, Ant-Man, the new Ant-Man that just came out, the Quantumania, Marvel uh, okay. movie. If you say so. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go, go ahead. I'm going to try to watch that this Saturday and then, or Friday. And then this Saturday, I'm going to try to go out. Um, depends on if uh, my lame friends, not, in, not including Thomas in that conversation, but my other lame friends. So is this another me. one of those deals? If, if I'm hearing you right before we, we send it over to box lunch, it, 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 did I, if I'm, if I heard you right, and I, I'm, I'm trying very hard to be a better listener. Did I hear you right in saying that, you're going out with your fiance tonight to a movie. Is that a dinner or a movie? Her, so yeah, so we're, I'm going to try to go with her side of the family, the in-laws, including my fiance. We're going to go, yeah, that's kind of a tradition. We like to go watch the Marvel movies. Okay. And um, then tonight when, you're out, it's tomorrow night. Tomorrow the night. The goal would the, be out with the boys. Yes. Maybe we'll go hit up the brass ass or something. Oh! oh. Wow, that came out of nowhere. Holy Moses. You ought, to, you ought to reach out to Tracer. It's not even yeah. noon on a Friday. <laughs> never too early. Never too early. No. No, never too early. Five o'clock somewhere. Of course. Okay. Well, happy birthday in all sincerity. Thank and you. And I know that everybody around here uh, wishes you the same. Time for uh, box lunch. Now, now, where's your partner in crime here today, Reed? Where is Trace? Trace has to see about some meetings. He's got some business meetings to take care of. So it's just going to be me on today. What, what, well, what about these, these guys? Two? Well, just no Trace. But, I mean, these guys as well. But no Trace. Okay. So, well, well, all right. What do you got going on? Oh, well, we're going to talk about, you know, the quarterback carousel, where these quarterbacks are going to go in the NFL. We're going to talk about if anyone cares about the XFL. Do you care about the XFL? You know what? I love football. I mean, I didn't watch a lot of it last year. And, and, you know, and I was thinking, it's funny, you know, you asked this question because I was thinking about this uh, last night. I really don't watch much sports on television. I, I was really thinking to myself. Besides the Muskies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, playing the 11th ranked team in the country the other night. Um, I really don't, except for football. You don't, you don't sit I down mean, for... I don't watch any, you know, I, I, I never watch. Well, I'm not going to say never because I watched the other night. 
rarely ever watch any college basketball. Mm. I couldn't watch baseball last summer because I have YouTube TV. I couldn't get Bally's. You didn't get the Marquee Sports Network to watch our Cubbies? I could, no, I did not. I did not. Nor will I this year. <laughs> but with this job now, I'm going to have to start watching a little bit more, especially as we get close to tournament time. Now, we'll watch the NCAA tournament, no doubt about that. Oh, yeah, and it's great because we're going to be in here doing the show, mm-hmm. right? We get off at noon, yep. and then the games fire up like Boom. 10 minutes later. First yeah. game right out of the gate, Thursday and Friday. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's right around the corner. Right around the corner. Is there a better time of the year, sports fan-wise, than March Madness? Yes. What's better? It's better, and it, by far better in the fall. With the when Saturday. You got the, you got the, so you got the baseball playoffs, okay. postseason. You got the startup of college football in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean. I can't disagree. I can't disagree. High school football cranking up. It, no doubt. It's November, Baden. right? Ross. Ross. Yeah. When, when does... Sorry, the Mighty when, Warriors. When does the MLB playoffs start? Had to change our logo. October. October. Okay, so I was going to say November is the best time because that's also the start of the NBA season, right? Well, you're starting college hoops and all that, but by that time, the baseball postseason is just coming to an end. But all gotcha. of those happen within about a three-week time frame. No doubt. Right? So, yeah. I mean, for me, you know, a lot of people feel like the start of baseball in the spring, NCAA tournament. That's the best time. And look, if that's your thing, I get it. And I know that's your thing. I do love baseball. Those are your sports. I do love baseball. I do yeah. love college basketball. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hopefully so. you guys still have your houses or apartments or condos, whatever it is, uh, with all the gambling leading up to um, March Madness. Well, Good luck. Of course. Thanks. Thanks, all right. Tom. All right, boys. Thanks. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Tom. You too. Thanks, Adios. Tom.